everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I am honored to sit down once again with Scott Shira, who has been a guest before on Patriot Strong. Um, he shared his story about his beautiful daughter, Grace, and he is back to give us an update on the lawsuit and everything that has entailed within um, current time and the lesson that I've spoke with him. So Scott, thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for your strength and standing up for not only Grace, but for the millions of people and families that are in your exact shoes. Well, thanks for having me. Don't give me the credit for strength. God has given me the strength, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, it is, it's an awful lot of work. Uh, you know, there's been almost 1.2 million Americans killed in similar and or worse situations than Grace over the last 39 months. And, you know, now we filed a lawsuit on April 11th. And, you know, that lawsuit is the first of its kind. You know, we're exposing the euthanasia agenda with the lawsuit. So, I mean, this is way bigger than COVID. And, you know, that's why we filed it. It's very important to get this, this agenda exposed so that evil... And so people know what to do and they, you know, God has this as a, has, as a responsibility to shine, shine light on evil. And that's the motivation behind the case. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, maybe some people, some of my listeners might not be as familiar with you or they might not have heard your story. So if you care to, can you go into a little bit about what happened a little bit about grace and how, uh, the events lined up to like, get to where we are at right now, because I'm sure five years ago, you never expected that you would be in this state. And here you are facing the, you know, the unimaginable for any parent. So, uh, you know, to God's grace, like you just said, he's giving you strength. He's using you as a, a, a title to work through, to expose the evil that is happening in hospitals. And you're going to connect the dots for my audience tonight. So uh, just to take people back, you know, so on uh, this, what happened to us was in October of 2021. And, you know, if I go all the way back to when Grace was born, you know, God put Grace on this earth for a reason. He knew exactly the day she was going to die and the circumstances before she was ever born. And so that gives you the frame of reference as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if you read the Esther 414 uh, scripture reference in relation, I, I think I have it here. I'm going to, yeah, I do have it here. So just the, the, the book of Esther really frames what I'm doing now. Actually, I'll come back to that because you wanted the backdrop. So Grace was born September 22nd of 2002. Uh, she was born um, because my wife and I decided to be obedient in the baby department when we were 39 years old. And God blessed us with Grace. And we named her Grace after God's Grace. Uh, Grace had Down syndrome. And she was an absolute gift from our Lord to us. And we got the benefit of having that little stinker, that angel in our life for 19 years, uh, she was, um, she was a gift. She was super high functioning, uh, for somebody with down syndrome. My wife taught her how to read and write. We homeschooled grace. Uh, she deer hunted with me. She rode horse. She played violin at our daughter, Jessica's wedding. Um, she, uh, she could drive a car. 
you know, there's virtually nothing that she could not do. Oh. And she was, she had a sense of humor to boot. Uh, so I, uh, she was the original motivation for what we're doing, you know, and ultimately it fits into the book of Esther, which I'll come back to. But, you know, in October of 21, Grace had low oxygen saturation. That was a result of what we think was COVID. You know, we tested her with a home test, uh, which tested positive. But I mean, all this stuff is suspect at this point. We had bought into uh, some of the fear propaganda. Grace was never vaccinated, so we didn't buy into that. Um, but we were following the front line, the FLCCC protocol. So Grace was on ivermectin, vitamins. We got a pulse ox, which that pulse ox registered her oxygen as 88%. And unfortunately, we perceived that as an emergency. And so we took her to the hospital. And seven days later, Grace was no longer with us. And she was killed by um, a combination of meds and an illegal DNR, which is unique. You know, Grace is, it's not 100% unique, but it's unique to what people who are in the know and who are awake realize that most of the people who died in hospitals, which is almost 1.2 million people in the last 39 months with COVID as a diagnosis, died either from remdesivir, a ventilator, or a combination of both. Well, Grace had neither. On top of that, well, I think one of the reasons she had neither is because on top of that, we were in the hospital. So I was right. with Grace from October 6th through the 10th. I was taken out by an armed guard on the 10th. Uh, we hired an attorney to negotiate with the hospital attorney to get a replacement in, which my, my daughter, Jessica, Grace did not have advocacy for about 47 hours. During that time, they sedated her instead of, of taking care of her. And ultimately that sedation med called Presidex is the first cause of Grace's death because that med causes acute respiratory failure if it's used for more than 24 hours. And Grace was on it for five full days. Uh, so they told the truth on her death certificate relative to the first cause of death, uh, which was acute respiratory failure, which that was caused by using Presidex more than 24 hours. Then they combined Presidex with lorazepam and morphine uh, in a 29-minute window, which is what they do when they euthanize people on their last day of life when they're in hospice care. And, you know, ultimately that, and, you know, then they put an illegal do not resuscitate order on her. That motivated, there's enough evidence, you know, at that we decided to file a lawsuit, which, you know, it's it's a big deal to file a lawsuit. And we'll dive into that a little bit. But, you know, what happened before the lawsuit is, after I had gotten the records and I realized that Grace was killed, you know, you dig into things and, you know, ultimately a friend of mine, as we jumped in, you know, really jumped into the game where we felt God calling us, he said, reread the book of Esther. And in, if you look at the book of Esther, it's a, it's quite a story. Esther, who was a Jew, became queen. Um, she was in a position that it didn't make any sense. Uh, but when, um, the the nefarious Haman uh, convinced the king to kill all the Jews by edict. Um, the person who raised Esther, Mordecai, came along and said, Esther, you can stop this because you're the queen. And even though she was queen, she could not approach the king. She knew that if she approached the king without him approaching her first, she would be killed. And Mordecai challenged her that 
she was made for a time such as this. And, you know, it's quite a story because so she did the unthinkable, approached the king, and through a series of God-orchestrated events, um, was able to save the Jews. You know, so when I re when I reread that in the light of now the role that I'm taking on, and then what God had prepared me for, uh, which you know I thought He had prepared me just to take care of my daughter Grace and to make sure that we had enough resources to take care of her after my wife Cindy and I were dead, uh, but obviously that's not the case. Uh, I've been a business owner for over thirty years. Uh, so I've, I've learned some skills of how to manage, how to organize, uh, how to start things from scratch. And uh, those skills now um, were absolutely necessary to start this campaign, which, you know, the other thing that is interesting about that is I developed, or at least I was diagnosed, I developed it way before that, but I was diagnosed with heart disease six years ago. Well, that heart disease started a sequence of events for me to train the men who are in the company to take it over and who would know that the purpose of that heart disease was they need to take it over because this is all I do now. This is my full-time responsibility. I'm working a minimum of 70 hours a week as a as an advocate. And um, this is this is a big deal. I mean, we're we're literally saving lives. We're not doing it. God's doing it. But I mean, you read Genesis 50, 20, and I have that here too. It's it's real important to understand how God works. And so Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Uh, so that's that's literally what's going on right now is grace is saving many lives. And, you know, my job is to walk through the doors that God has opened. And, you know, the most recent door, of course, is the is the lawsuit. It was a lot of work to get here, but, uh, you know, that's what we're doing now. And, you know, so go ahead with some questions, Courtney, if you have some, but then I'll, I'll walk through the lawsuit. And I want to share um, this euthanasia agenda before we're done, for sure. And of this interview, I don't want to take up, I don't want to take up screen time. Your story is so important. It's so important for everybody to hear because everybody knows somebody who is in the hospital who, uh, you know, might have suffered these same protocols. Uh, something that I learned that I hadn't known before was that the hospitals were writing the illegal DNRs on multiple patients. And that's something that you brought to my attention um, and it's just, it's evil being exposed from, you know, whatever case it may be. Um, right. You know, the, the hospitals aren't, aren't taking care of the patients. They're not holding up to their oaths, um, in my opinion. But I, I completely want to give you as much time to speak as you can. So please go on and update us with the lawsuit and, and everything. Well, the lawsuit was filed on April 11th. So it was two weeks ago on Tuesday, and the all the defendants were served yesterday. You know, a question that people would have is, why is this the first lawsuit of its kind? And you know, there's there's a few different reasons for that. Um, one is that we're exposing the euthanasia agenda, right. but I mean, other people could do that too. And so you realize, well, what is what's going on? And what what has happened is the cabal. Um, through lobbying and a number of things through the last several decades have set up state statutes that 
really prevent people from filing lawsuits. And so in Grace's case, for example, the state statute, because Grace was a legal adult, she was 19 years old, my wife and I have no claim. So we had to open up an estate just to file. Uh, there's there's hardly any money in these claims. So people think they're like a um, car accident claim where there's millions of dollars of damages, the attorney gets a third, but that isn't how these, these cases work. And, you know, they limit the liability of the doctor. And the reason they limit the liability, the excuse they use, and this is where you see the lobbies have been in full force way before COVID, they limit the liability because they say, well, if, if the doctors could be exposed to liability, they won't practice in our state. So ultimately, that meant in order to file this lawsuit, we had to use our own money to hire the attorneys. The attorneys are not doing this on a contingency. Uh, they're doing it on a fee basis. So we're paying uh, hourly rates for the attorneys to do their job, which, you know, it's it's been ex extensive so far. Just to get ready for a court filing is is a big deal because all the records have to be gone through. You have to make sure you have a legitimate case. Uh, you have to have an expert who has uh, reviewed everything and is willing to testify. Uh, so we've got all of that already lined up. And the other thing about the case, which is why I'm out sharing it, is that in addition to the hospital, we filed the case against five doctors and two nurses who were directly involved with the death of Grace. And I'm sharing this because anybody listening that knows a doctor or nurse, I mean, you should share this with them. The lawsuit is posted on Grace's website so anybody can see it. It's 23 pages long the complaint. Uh, the people were served yesterday, so now they have 20, 20 days to respond, which is May 15th. So we'll, we're going to know a lot more on May 15th. Um, but to, to file against the individual doctors and nurses is extremely rare. Uh, the attorneys encourage you to not do that uh, because, you know, the hospital is where the money is at. Well, that isn't what our goal is. Our goal is not financial. Our goal is to expose evil. And individuals, doctors, and nurses cannot use the excuse that you are following orders, following NIH protocols. That is not an excuse. You did what you did, and you chose to do it. And every person is going to be held accountable for their choices, if not in this lifetime, in God's economy. And, you know, we're hoping to spread the word that, you know, doctors and nurses can stop this today. And they can stop it today by not participating anymore to say no. When there's protocols known to kill people, say no, I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I talk with the patient. The patient's wishes are paramount. I'm going to make sure that the patient has informed consent, uh, that they know what's going on. We're not going to do anything behind their back. Uh, and take the high road. Follow the Hippocratic Oath. That's what we're begging doctors and nurses to do. If they would do that, this whole thing would be over. Because then they wouldn't be recommending a bioweapon anymore that's disguised as a vaccine. They wouldn't be killing people in hospitals and we would go back to trusting a medical profession that is literally become an arm of the government. So that's the uh, the short version of the lawsuit. Um, what I want to share is the agenda behind the lawsuit. And I, I think it's real, real important for people to understand that COVID simply exposed this agenda. COVID is not the agenda. It exposed it. 
you know, and the people who are familiar with Agenda 2030 know that the agenda right. is to reduce population. Um, that agenda was codified into United States law on March 23rd of 2010. And, you know, so people aren't even aware of that. And so what do I mean it was codified into law? Well, that's the day Obamacare was passed. Uh, Obamacare codified the spirit of collectivism, which Ezekiel Emanuel uh, has been promoting way before Obamacare. He was hired to be the chief architect of Obamacare. And in 1996, he said, quote, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. So that means anybody who is no longer a participating citizen. So that's people like Grace, the elderly. You know, we're all going to be non-participating citizens or useless eaters at some time in our life. And those people don't deserve medical care according to the spirit of collectivism that Ezekiel Emanuel weaved into Obamacare. And so you think, okay, that's just a concept. But I want every single person who's listening, um, I'm going to ask for two things. Number one is I want you to go to graceshara.com, S-C-H-A-R-A. And I want you to sign up and follow our case and follow the story. My daughter, Jessica, is maintaining that website. And there's a little spot where it says, I think, click for updates. You just put in your name and address. That's all you know, I want you. To, so I said two things. So that's one thing I want you to do. You know, this is simple stuff I'm asking you to do, but this is important that we get people to follow the case. And the reason is, is we're going to have calls for action down the road, and we need to be able to get a hold of people when those things happen. This is a big national case, and we have to get people um, signed up to follow in order that we can have calls to action. Then the second thing that I want you to do is I want you to look up Obamacare, and you'll see if you just type it in Google or whatever search engine. It's 974 pages, and I want you to pull out page 141, and I want you to read page 141, the first two-thirds, because there's two sections. I only The first section is what I'm emphasizing. So this is section 1553 of Obamacare, and I beg you to read this, because once you see this with your own eyes, you cannot unsee this document. This is literally where they have taken the ideas of Ezekiel Emanuel for collectivism and put them in the United States law. Literally, okay. they put it into law. And it says, it, it, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase this, but you can read it for yourself. You look at subsection A, A and I'll paraphrase subsection A. It says individuals or institutions refusing, so these are doctors or hospitals, refusing to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing may not be discriminated against by the government. So they're telling us right there, they are going to kill us. And who are they going to kill? Anybody who's not a participating citizen. How are they going to kill us? By euthanasia, mercy killing, and assisted suicide. So we are the best country on the planet at pointing our fingers at other country. So we'll point our finger at Canada and say, you naughty Canadians, you've got the medical assistance and dying program. Well, we we beat them to the punch. We had medical assistance and dying on March, March 23rd of 2010. In fact, it's more than assisted. It's mandated. Right. This is mandated. Okay. This is a big deal. And so what about the doctors and hospitals who don't want to participate? Read subsection D. 
Subsection D of that same section 1553 says the Office for Civil Rights of the Department of Health and Human Services is designated to receive complaints of discrimination. All right, so now what happened during COVID? The people, the doctors who stood their ground and wouldn't kill people lost their licenses. So now they're supposed to appeal to the Health and Human Services Secretary for discrimination? You've got to be kidding me. The Health and Human Services Secretary is the one who had the unilateral authority to enter us into a public health emergency, which he did on January 31st of 2020. And he kept renewing it for every three months for 39 months. And so now this guy, who is a complete criminal, who's the head of the Health and Human Services Secretary, you're supposed to appeal your discrimination case to him? You gotta be kidding. And on top of that, under the, the guise of this public health emergency, which is a complete lie, he could implement public policy. And he implemented death panels under Obamacare on November 23rd of 2022, just this last November. So there's literal death panels in place now. And, you know, so I, I share this because I want people to wake up. You, you're going to fall trapped to this. And I have one last thing just to connect the dots, Courtney, which is what's happened over the last 39 months is the number of people on Medicare and Medicaid went from 62 million to 100 million. And this is a big deal. <laughs> As now one third of the entire American population is on the public dole for medical insurance. And, you know, the government who's in charge of killing you now provides you with the insurance to facilitate right. the death. And let me connect the dots. You know, the, the reality is we're going to have a huge influx of problems, uh, cancer, et cetera, as a result of this jab. So people took the bioweapon. It's literally a bioweapon. The Brooke Jackson case proved that this thing was never a vaccine. So if you're not familiar with the Brooke Jackson case, I have that on Grace's website. Take a look at it. It proves that when she's a she's a whistleblower, filed a false claims act against Pfizer, and their defense was we didn't we weren't contracted to produce a vaccine. We were contracted to produce a prototype. It was never a vaccine. So you just wrap your head around this stuff. Okay, so there's going to be all kinds, there's already all kinds of problems. They're going to get worse. And the people are going to go to their doctor. And then the doctor is going to say, um, Mr. Smith, you've got cancer. And, you know, we can get you in for your first chemo or radiation treatment next week. And Mr. Smith is already programmed to believe chemo, chemo and radiation are the only treatments for cancer. So he he gets his his treatments. But before he gets his treatments, he asks the doctor, does my insurance cover it? And the doctor says, well, yes, of course your insurance covers it. You're, you're under Medicare. And guess what? Mr. Smith, the doctor just signed his death certificate, and Mr. Smith went along with it because he's been programmed to do that. He was programmed to take the jab. He was programmed to believe that the government was going to take care of him. He's programmed to believe in government insurance. And what we've got is an uh, orchestrated symphony of death that has been codified into law and we are going to see death like we've never seen it before as as we move into the these next couple of years yeah and you're absolutely right you know a, a lot of people they are blinded to the long-term effects that they 
they chose unknowingly whenever they got the COVID vaccine. Um, you mentioning cancer. That's one of them I've read that cancer is expected to be up something like 300% from those who have been in remission or those who, uh, um, you know, did get the, the COVID vaccine or the second, third, fourth, you know, what may have you. Um, we've been lied to as a public, and it's really sad that there are still people that are going along with it or that, that are still buying into the entire agenda. Um, I'm not entirely sure how much time you have, but I do have a couple questions after your last like explanation of things. I know sure. you guys just filed your lawsuit, but it's the first of its kind. In your opinion, why aren't more lawsuits like yours being filed from families who have experienced the same thing? Well, the main reason is that the 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 finances are not there to be able to have attorneys take these cases on a percentage. Um, and so that's one reason. So I explained that, but there's a second reason. And so let me explain the second reason and I'll explain it with a story. Uh, early on after Grace died, I had met an attorney who is a partner in a 300 partner firm. So it was a big firm. And he said, Scott, you've got a big case here. I'm going to refer you to the best medical malpractice attorney in Wisconsin. So he did that. Uh, I talked with that gentleman and he told me that Scott, even in slam dunk cases like this appears to, be, appears to be, you only have a one in 10 chance of winning. I said, I don't understand. So he said, I'll share a story with you. He said, I represented a family where the husband had a sponge sewed up inside of him was left inside of him as a result of surgery. And he said, we lost. I said, well, how did you possibly lose that case? That seems to be a slam dunk. And he said, I brought in 10 expert witnesses and they brought a hundred. He said, they circle the wagons around their own. And in our case, you know, one of the defendants is Ascension hospital system. They have 30 billion in cash. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're not going to want to lose this case. So that's, uh, you know, then, of course, as I already mentioned, the state laws really are against people filing. So for all those reasons, you know, it's and you know, I'm hoping that we can help other people through Grace's uh, case being filed, help other people file. You know, the, the legal team wants more cases. You know, and there's certainly more out there, but we've got to be able to uh, help people raise funds in order to do that. Right. And I know you are just entering another chapter of this entire thing. So for anybody who wants to find more on Grace's story or your case, is there a platform that they can go and donate and help? Yep. The, the main thing that we're wanting for help is to sign up so that we can, I mean, um, that we can track and and put the database together of people following and there's also we set up a gifts and go that's on the same website and so that's gracesharacom sc excuse me shara is s c h a r a so you know i really want people to go there and sign up that's my main goal in getting on these interviews is follow the case because we are going to need help uh, and support as this case really gets traction you know we just started and there's a a lot of work to be done. It will be a minimum of 18 months before we get in front of a jury. Jeez. Um, I thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy. 
Uh, so I'm grateful that you took the time to sit down and uh, chat with me and my audience. For those of you listening, if you hadn't seen the original um, interview, it's very emotional. Um, I highly recommend you go listen to that entire interview. Um, you know, Scott, thank you for all that you're doing. God bless you and your family, your wife, Jessica, your older daughter, who you said is maintaining the website and kind of keeping, you know, the glue to everything that's happening right now. Um, I pray for you guys and pray for God's peace and goodwill over everything that's happening. Is there anything that you want to end with? I would, uh, so I want people to at least have some hope. And so I would like to end with the idea of, you know, if you listen to me, you should be afraid to go to a hospital, which I get that. I mean, if you're not afraid to go to a hospital after listening to me, there's something else wrong. But on Grace's other website, which is ouramazinggrace.net, uh, that was the website we originally started. It's alive and well. I'm making changes to it a, a couple times a week with updates. And one of the more recent updates is we have a hospital rescue tab. And that hospital rescue tab, if you ever get into a situation where you find yourself um, abandoned in a hospital, you'll see there's a toll-free number uh, that you can call so that you can get help. Uh, there's um, a podcast with Greta Crawford and Laura Bartlett on on uh, that tab that shows you how to be prepared for a hospital stay, talks about informed consent. Then there's a tab, a sub tab of the hospital rescues tab that has your forms that you need to be prepared, power of attorney, medical directives. But it, it just, it's critical that you understand you cannot turn over your right to informed consent to the doctor. Grace lost her life because I did that. I unknowingly did it. I didn't sign any document turning over my rights, but I trusted the white coat. And so if you just start with a position of distrust that you want to know everything, you want to be informed. So I'll just give you a simple example. Uh, Grace's last day at 6.43 in the evening, the doctor called. Grace died at 7.27. At 6.43 in the evening, the doctor called Cindy and I at home saying, Grace had another good day. Um, I just gave her morphine. So I said, well, what's the reason you gave her morphine? Well, to slow her breathing down. So we're trusting the white coat. So that's not informed consent. He told us what he did after the fact. Right. That is not what they're supposed to do at all. So that he violated his own medical code of ethics by doing that. Uh, and so if we would have had informed consent, and I, I would have understood my rights to get informed consent, I would have said, We're, we don't approve anything, zero. I don't even want you to clip her toenails without me giving informed consent. That means you explain every single thing to me, the pros, cons, alternatives, reactions. What if we do nothing so that I get total information, objective information, then I take that information and I study it on my own and then i give consent as a separate separate event it's not a pressure so i mean we we literally didn't get informed consent with anything okay so i mean they kept you know this is what you do though you go into a hospital setting you kind of just turn everything over right. to them take care take care of me you can't do that anymore i'm telling you bluntly if you do that you are going to lose your life and i don't want anybody to lose their life 
I don't care if you're my worst enemy. I don't want you to lose your life. I mean, you have an opportunity that when you get into the hospital setting, make sure you, and take the time. You know, I'm just giving you kind of an introduction to informed consent. But by far and away, this is the biggest hoax that they perpetrated during COVID. So they convinced everybody to just, just trust us. You know, we know what's going on with COVID. Well, they didn't know what's going on with COVID. In fact, it was all a complete lie. And they implemented that lie by in, in the hospital settings by convincing us that they would take care of us. And, you know, they didn't. And we've got to get that back. We never lost the right to informed consent, but we've got to proactively take that back. And remember this, when you're in a hospital, that is not the, it, it is, it's certainly you want to be loving, but it isn't the time to be polite. It is the time to ask questions and demand that the doctor do his job. And that, that's so true. Um, not to take away from your story, but I can completely relate to that. My husband just got home from a 47-day stay in a hospital for um, heart issues. And I was following his my charts, questioning everything, questioning the doctors why they haven't done this yet. And uh, you have to get in their face and you have to stand up for your loved ones if you're there, if you have the ability. Because if not, then they're you're just another patient to them and they don't care whether like you live or pass in my opinion unless the family member is there standing up and in their face bluntly like you just said you know you're you're at risk so it, it is very important for you to be loud and to stand up as much as you can right on very well very well said Courtney uh, you by your own experience know that I'm thankful your husband made it 47 days is a long long time in a yeah. hospital it was, it was hard, but he's home. Um, well, and you know, thankfully, uh, thankfully that's in our past. We have more, a different pathway that we're working through now. But um, again, you, you can't just trust what the doctors say. You have to do your own research and you have to question everything, why it is or is not. So, that's right on. you know, and it's, it's people standing up and bringing light to that, that, you know, it's, it's going to make a difference. So I'm, I'm thankful for you and for your strength and for your family's strength and for God working through you to bring the light to all of this. Um, and I can't wait to hear and follow the story. I will link all of the websites you mentioned below, all the other documents. If um, my audience wants to listen to them, they will be in the show notes. Scott, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am, I'm grateful for you. Well, I'm grateful for you too, Courtney. Thanks for having me. And as I, with Grace's sense of humor, she would say, well, it sounds like you have quite a dangerous cat in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She's loud, probably barking at a squirrel. <laughs> uh, well, have a good evening, Courtney. Good to see you again. God bless you. Same to you. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. 
I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. I love Mikey's a dream sheet. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to mypillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products.